Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yo, 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 what's popping? You kicking it with the coldest podcast in the land. I'm your boy, B. Jones, a.k.a. Bolo, and you know when I'm pulling up to the porch, I can't pull up without my dog. Yes, sir. Y'all know who it is. It's your boy, D-Nice, a.k.a. Big Smitty. And where we at again, Bolo? Y'all know we in a place to be, so tell a friend and tell a friend to grab a drink because this is The Porch. Let's get it. Started on The Porch, that was where it all began. Had to put it work, every day we got it in. We chased all our dreams and now they can't believe it. We make it look easy, we achieving everything we need. Now we undefeated. If we link, no, it's only business. If we get to speak and leave them speechless, I did things for free, but now it costs us. What's going on, my guy? How you feeling, man? You looking good. I'm blessed. I'm blessed, man. I'm excited. Good Christmas, you know, Um, headed heading into the new year. So, you know, letting everything, you know, in 2021 be 2021 and heading into 2022, you know, fresh. I love it, man. Same here, man. Just, uh, you know, been looking forward to this interview, to this episode all week long. We're ending the year off very, very strong. And I don't want to keep the people waiting. So I want to introduce who our guest is. We have a goat on the porch right now, the legendary adult film star. Some may know from back in the days as Sunshine, sports media personality, <laughs> specializing in fantasy and sports betting, the multi-talented, the one and only Lisa Ann. Welcome to the porch. Thank you so much for inviting me to the porch. So many great things happen here. You know, it's late night on the East Coast. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm normally an early to bed kind of girl, but I'm joining you right now. You guys have liquor. I got a glass of wine. We're ready to go at it right here. It's going to be a good go. night is what it sounds like. Yes. Cheers. Welcome. We're, welcome. We appreciate you for staying up past your bedtime to, to join the porch, man. Like I said, it's an honor to have you on here. And uh, no, we definitely appreciate you uh, coming on here, Lisa. I'm glad um, to be here. You guys are very prepared as well. I love any show that sends me any sort of like rundown beforehand. Like this is so pro that you do this and not enough people do it. And when I get it, I just, I lust over these types of details. We'll take it. it. We'll, we'll take, take it. Look, it. we taking it. <laughs> well, let's get straight to it, man. You know, here on the porch, we always got to start with our sports segment and uh want to do a look back over last weekend, Christmas weekend. And let's start in the NBA where, the Lakers lost to the Nets without Kevin Durant or Kyrie, one twenty-two to one fifteen. Uh, LeBron he balled out, had thirty-nine points. Westbrook had a triple double, but shot poorly, shooting four from twenty from the field. Bolo, I'm gonna start with you first, man. Do you think the Lakers need to make any changes on the roster if they have any chance at making a run this season? Uh you know what? I I, I don't. It's kind of hard to put my finger on it. It's kind of hard for me to find that perfect ingredient because right. the talent's there. I think people in the locker room are holding each other accountable. Maybe they mm-hmm. aren't, but I'm assuming a leader in LeBron, are, he's holding people accountable, right? But, right. you know, I can't be, I can't be wrong. Um, you know, I, I know it takes a while for so, so many superstars to gel at one time. Um, that could be an issue. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you got to win games. You know, you can have 39 points. You know, Russell could be putting up triple W, t- triple double. But at the end of the day, if you're still losing games, there's something wrong in the organization at, at some point. So we, we really need to dig into it before, you know, they end up into a, into a place where they, they're below 500, right? At the right. End of the season. So that's kind of what scares me. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you know, and before the season started, once, you know, the, the moves was made and Westbrook joined LA, 
you know, there's a lot of questions, and especially in the sports media field, like, will this work with Westbrook's aggressive style? You know, not having a lot of shooters centered around LeBron. You look back at the history of LeBron-led teams. Typically, he has a lot of great shooters around him, uh, right. which allows him to, you know, play make, opens up the floor, allows for spacing. And um, it's just with this current team, there's not a lot of good shooting. And uh, me, you know, everyone knows I'm from Indianapolis, but I'm a longtime Lakers fan, primarily because of Kobe. Rest in peace. Uh, so I, I'm rooting for the Lakers. I want to see them do well. But it's if I'm being honest, I just... I don't think this, mm. this is going to work. Westbrook, he plays so hard. I love his effort. I love his energy. It's not an effort thing. It's just still go percentages, man. The percent, he's just not efficient. He's Lisa, just, what, what, what do you think? What, what's your opinion on the Lakers? You know, I think injuries have really affected the Lakers being able to be on the floor at the same time and start to gel. Um, mm-hmm. I also think we have to take these past two years into consideration. We're looking at athlete stats that let's say before COVID what players have been going through with adjustments, with testing, with last year, missing their families, being in the bubble. This has not been their norm. Their routines have been completely thrown off. And especially when you have a player like LeBron, you know, an older player who is legendary already, but is rhythmic, right? There's Mm -hmm. no rhythm to this right now. You got AD who cannot stay healthy. Let's just face it. Let's just face it. I gave up on him when I drafted him first round, but fantasy basketball league, he was out for a majority of the season. I was like, we'll never do it again. I will never go back to that. Well, and what we're seeing is that's a continual problem, right? right yep. They spend big money on players that can't stay on the court. You can't win. And also, I just don't think the depth on their bench is strong enough. That's where they got to move pieces. You got to yeah. build a strong enough bench. Your bench shouldn't just be a bench. Your bench should be players that you're willing to play and players that when they get that opportunity, they look at it as their golden moment and they mm-hmm. go out there and they shine. We've seen that in the past. Last year, Brooklyn Nets bench like rocked. Yep. You know, you see young players emerge. That's how we fall in love with younger players mm-hmm. and we draft them late rounds in our fantasy basketball leagues the following season. So I think there's been such a focus on the star players and not enough pl- focus on Who's up next? How are you going to build that bench? Chemistry is an issue. I think for Westbrook, you know, you're playing in a different market. LA yeah. is a different market. It's like yeah. playing for the Knicks. It's a different market, but LA is unique to its own. Staples Center, now not the Staples Center. <laughs> Crypto.com. Um, <laughs> is, a, is a very unique uh, place to play. And I think it's much harder for players. Look, Paul George is shining for the Clippers. But you know where he started to get his balance? When he was in Indy. And he loved living there and he loved playing there. And the fans loved him there. Yeah, and so that built so much confidence in him as a young player that he could go and play anywhere. So I think mm. the Lakers have some work to do. They have some older players. And I think... LeBron is the star that's going to get all the heat and it's really not fair. It should be on the team. Love Jeannie bus, you know, get some bench players, get some stronger players there and build your depth. Yeah. I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think the two things, my two biggest takeaways is one injuries. We got to find a way. I mean, I know you can't fully control them, but I don't know what you need to do. AD. I don't know if you need to get more treatment, spend more money on your body during the off season. Like, Copy Le- you got LeBron right next to you, like your locker mates. I used to cover the games. LeBron's right next to you. Figure out what, what is LeBron doing to have this longevity and staying healthy for the most part. Figure that out. And then number two, I think they need shooting. In today's league, if you don't have real shooters around you, it's going to be very tough to be successful. You know what I mean? So That's fair. We'll see. We'll see. We do this every year, though, Bolo. A lot of times a LeBron-led team early in the season, first half, 
oh, it's over. You know, LeBron, the, the Lakers won't do this. They won't do that. And in the second half of the season, typically something shifts, something shakes. So we'll see what happens, man, on, on this back it's half. It's funny. I'm, I, mean, I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but I guess at what point will it be too late for them, though? Because I feel like they're starting because when they just on like a four or five game losing streak. That, yeah, but they, they ended up winning last night, uh, last night yeah. Yeah, against Houston. They played Houston. Houston. Mm-hmm. I know LeBron had another big game. I think Westbrook actually played a little better. Um, it, it, it's too late when it's after the All-Star break. This yeah, is after All-Star LeBron break. starts to step on the gas. And it's yep. very similar to if you look at football, Tom Brady. Tom Brady plays very conservative football the first six to seven games of the season. 100%. And then he powers through. Veteran players know how to save some fuel in the tank. And that's what LeBron's doing. When he wants to step on it, he's a great motivator. He'll get everybody around him doing the same. And that's I why agree. I'm not worried. I think just with me being a LeBron fan, with his leadership – you know, his credibility, I think he can eventually turn things around. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's too, I think we're too quick to, you know, assume and start getting trades and getting people to, the, to you know, in and out of the, out the, of the facility. Yeah. So if we can just get them to jail and establish some consistency, I think they'll be okay. I agree. And uh, Lisa, I'm glad you brought up some football. So we're going to switch to the NFL. Also on Christmas Day, there were some good games on. My Indianapolis Colts put a beating. On the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they won 22 to 16. Uh, Lisa, I'm going to start with you. Should the NFL be afraid of my Indianapolis Colts? I love your swagger and your confidence for your team. We're all like that about our team. But let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, who have lost the last three games in a row. And Kyler Murray has not thrown for over 200 yards since week seven. Okay, so let's gather the facts and let's see your Indianapolis Colts in a matchup that is actually a tricky and tough matchup. Also, you beat the Patriots a couple weeks ago, Lisa. What about that's a good matchup? It's a good matchup, but you're still dealing with a rookie quarterback in the Patriots. And if you remember when they faced the Patriots, not only were we starting to see COVID protocols stepping in on the field with the NFL players being missing, we were also seeing that adjustment with a rookie quarterback. I think Mac Jones is going to be great in the league, and I think the best thing he has working for him is the fact that he got to play under Bill Belichick. But back to your Colts. Let's see if Wentz plays this week. Now, they did change the protocols today from five days. It used to be 10 unvaccinated players had to be 10 days. Wentz is not vaccinated. So now he's down to five days. He could play. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got some studs on your team. There's no doubt about it. Some studs on your team. (laughs) But I really need to see another solid play of action there for you. And I'm sorry. Take the win against the Cardinals. But they haven't been doing nothing. Bolo, man, back me up, man. Should the NFL be scared of my Colts? So I am a Chicago native, but I am currently residing in Indianapolis. So I have adopted the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm a Hoosier now. So uh, I've been paying attention to the Colts uh, a little bit. And they're one of those tricky teams in the AFC just because if they're clicking on all cylinders, I think they can compete with just almost anybody in the league. And at this point right now, Looking at their entire depth chart and their team, the biggest question mark is the quarterback, right? I think offensive line is pretty good. Linebackers, DBs, obviously they have an MVP running back. Um, If he can really get into, and I hate tapping into the old Carson Wentz, right? But if he can really tap into the old Carson Wentz, I think the Colts are really dangerous. Um, Obviously, you know, I've seen the stat where, like they said, if Jonathan Jonathan Taylor rushes over 100 yards, more than likely they're winning the game, right? So um, if we create create that 
balance, right, where people are starting to put, you know, seven to eight in the box and he's able to have a three to five step drop back and throw the ball. You know, receivers are, are damn good, you know. Right. So I just think it comes comes always comes down to the person behind the center. So um, I'm praying for his consistency, you know, for him not to make bonehead plays like he does, forces his way into bad situations like we see time and time again. If we can get rid of that and still have that strong running game, I think we we will. We'll do some damage. Um, <laughs> AFC is really tough, though. It is really tough. But I think, you know, at this point in time, you just got to play perfect football. And I think, you know, they're a sound team. I think that's what they they pride themselves on is fundamentals, playing sound, gap sound. So we'll see. Yeah, Can man, I, I ask you how you like living in Indy? Yes. So um, I like it. I like it. So um, I went. So Darnell and I, we went to Ball State. So it's in Muncie. So it's like 45 minutes church, outside church. of uh indianapolis and then i actually met my wife at, at ball state and she's from indianapolis so she won the battle between going back to chicago or indianapolis right <laughs> so um we we've been here for uh about four or five years and it's been pretty good you know it, it's a it's a good balance i think yep. um it has it's fast-paced times and it has its times where things are just you know just kind of steady and calm and you know not a lot of traffic you can get to certain yep. places affordable <laughs> I, I like got to go for the when the final four was there, which was yeah. what, 2015, 2016. Yeah. Uh, and had a great time and just really it wasn't my first time there, but the one thing that stands out is just the people, you know, everybody's just real mild mannered. And yeah. nowadays that's what we're looking for. Like everybody's Absolutely. so aggro. I'd like to be somewhere where people are not so aggro. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now nah, Indianapolis is a great, great spot. That's where I'm born and raised. That's where I'm mm-hmm. from. Spent most of my life in Indiana. And then I got an opportunity to work at Fox Sports out in L.A. three years ago. So I had to make a business decision. So uh, <laughs> I'm out in L.A. right now on the West Coast. So nah, I love it. Outside the cost of living, I like L.A. I know Lisa the used to weather. live out here. Yes. Oh. I did 30 years in California. The weather is so fantastic, but the traffic is so not. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Traffic, Just traffic on cost TV, of it gives me anxiety. I will say this about LA. I still have all of my notifications on. I love to watch car chases. Um, yep. <laughs> I believe that one day there's going to be a mashup channel on like, let's say like a Sirius XM. I did suggest this to Sirius years ago. Like, hey, the broadcasters get so into narrating and calling yeah. the shots on these. I only watch them for the newscasters that never get to talk about anything exciting at 1145. <laughs> right. but man, when they have to give the details because they got the chopper going. Right. And when you live in L.A., you always see the ghetto bird. You're like, oh, ghetto bird. There must be, you know, a car yep. chase, right? Yep. In the valley, you know, you're in the valley. There's always car chases. And so I still do live for the car chase. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You can always count on a good car chase out here in L.A. It's always something crazy going on out here. I'll say that. So, by the way, the first car chase in history to use OnStar. So some Ooh. cars, GMC vehicles have OnStar. So yeah. this is how much news I read. The other night was the first successful use of the OnStar feature where the cops were able to get the vehicle shut off. By OnStar. Oh, wow. I was like, oh, boom, that's going to kill all our car chases. Ooh, <laughs> that's a game changer. Wow. Look at Lisa coming in with the with the fact, <laughs> random facts. facts of the day. I love it. <laughs> so I got to ask y'all before we transition. So, yeah. Darnell, you're in L.A. Lisa, you've been in L.A. for 30 years. How is it? How do you guys feel about having Christmas without snow? Obviously, it didn't so snow in I'm April. in New York. He's now. in New York I'm now. In oh, you're in New York, York now. Okay. In 2019, so we got snow Christmas Eve, and it was very exciting. You know what I mean? I feel like it just kind of brings the the joy 
you know, out of, out of the holiday to just get the snow in. You know, I love also, LA the, and the winter swagger, right? You, you know what I mean? Closer yeah. to Christmas when you're wearing a coat and a scarf and some gloves and a hat. And, you yeah. know, it, I was in Florida two weeks ago. We'll talk about that later on for the fight. But I saw decorations, but it didn't feel the same as New York City Christmas. I was like, why does this nice. look so different? Because everybody's wearing shorts and it's, right. it's warm out. They right. tried to decorate, you know, uh, Beverly Hills and everything with the light. It looks, it looks nice, but it's yeah, like, yeah. ah, it's not, it's ah, not exactly shining. So, but I'll say this, man. Like I said, I'm born and raised in Indianapolis. We went to school in Muncie. I've seen enough damn snow, so I don't mind a few that's summer right. that's, that's sunny real. Christmases. Like I'm good. So you know, um, yeah, man. But man, let's go ahead and transition. I mean, th- that was our sports topic. I want to. The people are here. They want to know about Lisa Ann, and I think you have one of the most impressive. Um, just stories and how you've been able to really be great in two completely different career paths. So let us Can start I say off. One thing first, though, on the sports tip, because this is a note I really want to discuss. Oh, for sure. Come on. I yeah. would like to announce to your followers, to everybody here with us on the porch. I am absolutely done with Baker Mayfield. I mean, oh come my on. God. How many of us? I, I'm in 20 fantasy football leagues this season, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, my second quarterback. So I like to have two. Even when you're only starting one, I'm a believer of having two. Why do you want to scramble on the waiver wire when there's an injury? Everybody else is doing the same thing. So Baker was my secondary quarterback. 15 interceptions. I mean, 15 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. What I'm hoping, if he can throw four more. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the 15 and 15 season. Then we do some sort of a commercial Ooh. with him and Jameis. Because remember, Jameis had the 30, 30 for 30. 30. It's in Tampa. So this is something I just had to throw out there. Baker is still at less than 3,000 yards this season. Understanding shoulder injuries, this and that. But this is the NFL, bro. And you know what? I can't draft him next year. I don't care how cheap he is. I don't care <laughs> if he's the last player. And I'll, it's the last round. I'd rather take an extra kicker. Sorry, Baker. Okay. I love your commercial. I love it. I love I it. You're listening to this podcast, Baker Mayfield. I love all of your commercials. Everything <laughs> you do, your wife is beautiful. Kudos to you. Do your thing, but not on my fantasy yeah. team. <laughs> I love well, it. Lisa, Lisa. Okay. I got a question for you then. Do you think that organization should still keep Baker Mayfield? Ooh. I do not. I believe that Baker needs a fresh house, right? Uh, We've seen players move to a new environment and excel. We need to see him and who we thought he was. Look, when everybody was blaming OBJ, oh, you know, it's Odell that makes Baker so bad. I'm like, give Baker three weeks without Odell and give (laughs) Odell three weeks without Baker. And let's see who's shining. Odell's been balling. Odell's shining, getting in the end zone every single week. And you know what? Odell belongs in Los Angeles. He loves LA. He's there on his off season. It's his market it's close to everything he needs but it wasn't a good fit doesn't mean Odell wasn't a good player and so when you listen to a lot of sports radio like I know you guys do everyone was just dissing on Odell and I'm like yo get it get it right you have to understand it's just like a job we've all left jobs because it wasn't a good fit with our colleagues our our workmates right that's all Odell did he is still a stud and I'm loving him in LA so let's see if Baker can make a move and become a better player again (laughs) I love now this is this is my only thing to this whole entire situation when I look at the history of the Browns I think it took them almost 15 plus years to get a quarterback who has some type of consistency right Right. so I think for me obviously he's at a point where they're seven and eight now but it's like can't Baker Mayfield get the Browns over the hump. I think five or six years ago, that wasn't even a question about a hump. Right. It wasn't, we weren't even thinking about them even getting to that point. So right. Right. I think he's done a good enough job to get them there. I think he's still 
you know, figuring it out, getting some kinks out. I think they have done a great job surrounding him with a lot of good players. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I'm just afraid that if he, if he, if he leaves, he may just kind of fall into a rut of, you know, getting to learn a new coordinator, kind of gelling, just kind of, I'm, I don't know him personally, but just picking up his vibe, I can just kind of tell it probably takes him longer than, than most to, you know, build chemistry with people because of his bigger personality, right. Of, of him just kind of doing, you know, his own thing. But, you know, since 2000, I think 2007, 2008, I think they won 10 games. Then from 2020 is when they finally won 11 games. So that's right. a long time you know, with, you know, having a losing record. So to be in this point right now where you're somewhat in the conversation of playoffs, you know, says a lot about the quarterback, I think, in my opinion. No, I, I agree to that, but you can't live your life in fear. And I, I believe that if they keep Baker, they'll always kind of be this like team that yep. can't get over the hump. Yep. But yep. if they trade away Baker and get a new quarterback, they, it they might be fall a, into that rut again. It might fall into it, but they might excel. 20 years. Yeah. But they might excel. So you have to take that. You got to take those risks in life. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like you want to just settle at being average or what? What would Progressive do with all of the commercials that are (laughs) geared around the stadium? You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, what would they do? That's a big problem. I wonder if they have that written into his uh, contract there. That's the bigger issue that we probably should kind of focus (laughs) on there. So, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, no, I love it, man. Definitely, definitely great take there, Lisa. Um, But like I said, yeah, let's dive into your, into your career, man. Um, Obviously, you know, we'll start, start from the beginning. Um, how did Lisa Ann, you're from Easton, Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. How do how do you get into the adult film industry? Like, what, what was that kind of motivation? What, what, what was those early, um, you know, when you're a teenager, what were those thoughts that, that really got you into that industry? So, you know, I was on my own young and started dancing. So, you know, it's like anything else. Stripping is like the gateway drug, right? So I started dancing. And when I was 18, I started dancing at a club in Reading, Pennsylvania that had feature entertainers coming in every week. Um, These were magazine models, Playboy models, porn stars. And so every week we had these new entertainers coming in. And by then I had already been dancing on the side to get myself through high school for a couple of years. So I was looking at these women and thinking, wait a minute, like they don't have to see the same customers all the time. They're on the road. They're getting to travel and see the world. They're getting paid a lot of money on top of, you know, the additional money they're making tips, sales, what have you. And, you know, at 16, I wrote something in a journal and it was three things I wanted out of my life. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be financially independent I wanted to travel and see the world and I wanted to make my own schedule. Mm. And so those three things were always in my mind. It wasn't like, oh, I want to get married, have kids, have a dog, have this. That was never, it was these three things. These three Mm -hmm. things have been the fiber of my existence. And so I took two years and I interviewed every single feature that would talk to me. And I would ask questions like, how do you get yourself on the box cover? Who should I work with and who shouldn't I work with? Do I have to do scenes I don't want to do? You yeah. know, I asked all it, two years. It was a two wow. year project of me interviewing. And some of those women were so gracious and some of them are still my friends. Uh, Christy Canyon is an example. I met uh-huh. her when I was 18 um, and they helped me. Now we didn't have the internet. So they right. told me what I needed to do was hire photographers in Pennsylvania develop the photos, mail those photos to the companies in California, wow. and then kind of wait by my landline 
to get phone calls. And so times have changed, man. Times have changed. <laughs> this process took me another two years. So at about 22 years old, I had started to build a good line of communication with people in mm-hmm. California. I had a woman named Lena who was an amazing starlet in the industry in the 90s who introduced me to a manager, a, a man that would just take specific girls that wanted to get in the business, but girls that kind of wanted a contract. Now, little did I know, probably back then, he probably got a kickback from the companies to bring me in, but he was my savior. His name was Peter Davey. Uh, He picked me up at the airport and it was either a Rolls Royce or a Bentley. I just remember being blown away by it. (laughs) And I stayed at his house for the first couple of months and he helped me get side work that was not hardcore so that I could save myself because you don't want to shoot. And if you wanted a contract in the nineties, you couldn't shoot any scenes before you got that contract. Cause if you did, oh. they didn't want to sign you to a contract. They wanted your first scene. Exclusive. They wanted your first. Yeah. So you would shoot like, I would shoot like solo videos and magazine layouts and mm-hmm. like all these different types of things to keep me busy. But he right. took me company to company to the people that I already had started relationships by mail. <laughs> and eventually we narrowed down a contract and this wasn't an overnight thing. Like now a girl can email in a photo and have a flight booked and be out there and getting tested. You know, this, this took time and it was a quite a process. And I was so determined. I wanted, I wanted to be on the box cover exclusively myself. I did not want to share my box covers with other people <laughs> because I knew I wanted to feature dance Right. And I know I want to be able to sell that on the road. And it's just easier to sell something if you're on the box. Like, mm-hmm. do you really want to be selling a movie where some other girls on the box? I kind of <laughs> wanted my name incorporated in the title because I studied adult bookstores. And I knew that when it was VHS, a lot of them were turned to their side. Right. And sometimes mm-hmm. there wasn't a photo on the side. But the name who, who was in the movie was on the side. Mm-hmm. So, like, you guys don't understand. There was, like, this whole, you know, breakdown of, like, how I'm going to do this. Because if I had a contract, I would only be shooting 12 movies a year. So that means one movie a month. And I I would be able to customize my schedule because my main focus was really being out on the road and being a feature dancer like all the girls that I met at Al's. Right. So that's how it started. It was, uh, and I, I listen, companies would write me back. Oh my gosh, they would write me back so many things. Like, of course, the first thing they wrote me back was to get my boobs done. So I was like, okay, well, now I got to make the money to get my boobs done. I got to get my boobs done. I got to shoot all new photos. You know, right. there were so many things that I was told to do to get to that next level. And each time t- somebody told me something, I did it. And that's what took the time. And that's what was the process and me getting in the business. Wow. That's super impressive. Like just in general, re- regardless of whatever profession someone someone's it's in, fine. to be able to yeah be uh, dedicated enough and have the patience, right? To like, it's a years to even get to that point, but you had a goal. You, you took all the necessary steps. If you didn't know something, you learned it. And that says a lot about your dedication and also your maturity at a young age, right? 16, 17 years old to be able to figure all that out, man. Cause, and I'll be honest in, in our generation with the millennials, we are not patient at all. We want nope. instant gratif- gratification. <laughs> and for you to grind out to make it, it, it says a lot about you. Um, I also studied the women that made money at Al's. So I would study what type of movies that they did that brought in a different crowd. There were girls that did different types of movies that bought in a crowd that didn't spend as much money. Mm-hmm. So with these notebooks that I had, I would write down the money that I made the weeks that different girls came in. And that's what narrowed down the five to seven companies that I wanted my contract to be with because those were what the girls were shooting for that were bringing in the most money to my home club. Mm. 
got you, boy. You were, I love it. She was strategic with every step of the way. Like, I love it. I love it. Um, So one question I want to ask, so how did you, how did your family react to like early on, you know, um, obviously your parents or any other close family members when they first found out that this was the route you were going, what was that initial reaction like? So my family wasn't in my life at that time at all. My family's been very intermittent in my life. And, you know, I can explain this the best way to people. Mm -hmm. Parents are just people and not all people are good people. Mm. So we don't all get good parents, right? We make do with what we have. We take the good qualities that they had that we want in our lives. But eventually you grow up to realize like, oh, I didn't get gifted with a good set of parents. So my parents weren't in my life at that time. I didn't, I didn't have my mother back in my life till I was 24 and I didn't have a conversation with my dad till I was 40. So Mm -hmm. like there was, you know, there was a lot of that. So they weren't really a part of, uh, any of my decision-making. And by the time it was brought to them, it was already like, I was already doing it. So it was just, this is what it is. And obviously now I know that this was very difficult on them, of course, and my brother and, and, you know, most of my family will never talk to me again because I got in the business. But at this age, I'm able to say like, Hey, maybe had you guys provided me with more tools, I would have felt that I had other options. But at the same time, people say to me, do you regret what you did? Like I've traveled and seen the world. I've sat at dinner tables where nobody spoke English and was having the time of my life. I've filled a passport. I've made myself financially secure. Like, I no, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Sure, there's downsides to everything, but I will say that I got to reach the three goals that I had on my list when I was 16. So really, what could I trade in? Uh, I love it. I like it. That, that's exactly what I was going to add at the end. Like the three goals that you wanted to do, you were able to do that with your career. And um, one thing I do want to add on, based off what you just said, um, based off your parents not being as maybe active in your life at, at a young age, do you feel like that was part of the motivation for you to like just figure out something and like get yeah. your life together like early? I can remember my friends in high school were like getting in trouble, whether it was a DUI or whatever it was. And I used to say to them like, yo, I can't get in trouble. Nobody is bailing me out. Like mm. I'm going to mm-hmm. sit in jail. No one is going to help me. And and that's real. And when you have, when you're pressed up against that wall, you know what you do? You don't get in trouble. You don't fuck up. You don't rely on other people. And it made me say to myself like, hey, you're in this on your own. Make the most of it. There's no need to resent that fact, but for sure them not being present made me. And I'm, I could have taken a totally different turn. Right. I could have turned to drugs. I could have turned to horrible things. Like, but no, I was like, you know what? Okay. This didn't work out, but my life is going to work out. I know it's going to work out. Mm -hmm. Right. No, I love it. I I love the energy and and the mindset that you, that you have to it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so break this down for me. So let's be real. Anyone who's an adult has at some point watched porn, currently watches it, used to watch it. And most people know who Lisa Ann is. But if you're not in the industry, you don't know how a typical production day goes. So like me, I'm in I'm in production from a sports media standpoint. And I know we could have long days, retakes, you know, all types of stuff. Like describe how a typical day goes, a shoot day goes, right? When you're shooting a, shooting a scene. 
So it was very different for me because of that education that I got from speaking to women for two years at Owls. I already knew that I was going to select who I was working with, who I Mm. was working for Mm. and what I was doing. So when you rule out any of that other stuff, there's not a lot of chaos. A production day in the 90s could be a long day because we shot dialogue. We shot on film. Um, we had to relight for every position. You know, everything was very different. Once it went to a handheld camera, you could show up and be in the makeup chair at 10 a.m. and be in your car done with the day at 2 p.m. Like, when I was first introduced to Gonzo, I was like, fuck this dialogue shit. Like, fuck that. Like, I love Gonzo. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. You're just doing a simple pickup. Pizza delivery guy shows up. He comes in. We have sex. Like, this is fantastic. Coming from somebody now. My one movie a month used to be a four day shoot. So it was dialogue and one day of sex. They never put your sex day on the same day as anything else you had to worry about. Really? 90s. Oh my gosh. They treated us like real starlets. They catered to you. The craft services would call you. What do you want to eat? No one's going to touch your food. Like we're making special food for you. What makeup artist, what hair girl, they had wardrobe. Once it became the internet. And the tube sites started to steal everything. The Mm. profitability was so different. So companies couldn't afford to have food on set anymore. Couldn't afford to have two different makeup and hair people. Everything changed. But a five-hour day versus a 12-hour day? Right. Can't beat that. They're not something we really did, except if it was dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, people getting their lines down. But remember this. In the 90s, there were no what I like to call – uh, what do you call when people use uh, PD, uh, when they use uh, extra stuff in athletes, uh, PDs, uh, ah. you know, drugs. Oh, like yeah, like PDs. Yeah, yeah, oh, the okay. PDs. So yeah, yeah. There were no PEDs in the 90s. We didn't have Viagra. We didn't have any okay. of that. So we had to be more connected with our partner and we had to help, mm. had to help our partner when they were relighting the set. Once PEDs were available, the days got so quick because the guy could just be like, all right, I'll take my pill right when she's in the makeup chair. This shit will kick in. I'll be good to go. And it, it just changed the game um, in a big way. So it's a it's a day of like makeup maybe takes an hour to an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. If you're doing dialogue or pickups, it might be like, I will say this, though. When you watch those scenes on Brazzers that you love so much <laughs> where, you know, the girl's in the kitchen, she's pouring a cup of coffee. Then she's, those days are 12, 14, 15 hour Ooh, days. Me. And only an hour of it is the sex. Only an hour. Like they rush because they want. That's all the fun the- part, Lisa. That's the part. You- what? And by the time you get to the sex, everybody is so exhausted. It just wants to get it over with. Like, so those there, there are people that still do, but you know, they're making a little production for you all. So right, there's a little right. storyline in browsers. And that's why you guys like it, you know, <laughs> but when you see the movement around, realize we had to relight that kitchen. She had to walk in the bathroom for two seconds. We had to relight that whole bathroom. That's when it's a long day. Damn. So that's funny. That's funny. You said that just because like you knocked off a few of our questions and now my brain is just like, turning right now right so back in the day obviously they didn't have the viagra the peds uh i call them like the jumpers right anything to to to, to get them get it going right so um i guess kind of educate the porch real quick so obviously i think one thing to note as well i think a lot of people don't take the craft as serious as far as people from the outside looking in they don't take it as serious to know how much goes into it 12 14 hour days like that's a lot so like looking into it a little bit more Let's talk about like, are there like retakes? Like say if like a guy comes too quick or something like that, like, I I guess, how does that, how does that work? Like, are you just like stopping? Like, I feel like 
with sex, one one small mishap can throw off the whole agenda, yeah. I feel like. And I know these guys are not lasting that long every single scene, Lisa. Come on now. Well, listen, first of all, the most important pop shot is the first pop shot. So if he comes too fast, most likely they won't want him to come again that same day because it won't be as big. Mm. And so, you know, if the guy can't get it up or the guy comes too fast, you don't finish the scene. Nobody gets paid until you Whoa. come back another day to the same location and shoot that same finish of that scene. So think about that. If there is a retake, wow. we're all leaving with no check and we're coming back and we're working for free to finish the project. So I didn't take oh risks. Risks were not my thing. I was like, yeah, I got to beat this dude beforehand. I don't want to work with strangers. I want to see his energy around me. Is he freaking out? You know, those types of things were very right. important because yeah, you can't really do a retake. And, and you know, most guys, it's very hard to recover that quickly. Also, it's a lot of pressure on the guy. It's yeah. much more pressure on the male performers than the female performers. So if the guy does make a mistake, when your head is tripping, you you normally can't really get hard and do right. a good scene. It's better to call the day, keep it calm, and allow him to come back another time. It's a lot of pressure on the guys. Yeah. All right. 100%. So Lisa, I mean, like, like, like Darnell said, like you're the GOAT, right? In your perspective industry, you got Tom Brady, you got Michael Jordan, right? And then we got Lisa Ann. So yeah, right. I guess what does somebody have to do to get a scene with Lisa Ann? Obviously, Ooh. when you're at the prime of your career, you're doing your thing. Like, what does somebody have to do to get you in the room with them? So for me, it was normally about the crew that I worked with. You know, I had my own production company for years. And so my crew would come to me and say, hey, there's a new guy. I've shot him a bunch of times. I really like him. I think you'll like him. Like they had to be vetted through multiple people. And then normally I would reach out to other performers. How'd you like working with them? Mm -hmm. You know, this and that. Um, I did do a scene with a performer that I had never met before, but I watched a bunch of his work and I had him he was requested to be by a ton of people. So that I liked working with him. His name was Marcus Dupree. We shot the scene in 2019 uh, when I made a quick return to the industry. And I will say, I forgot what that felt like. It was so exciting. I was excited mm -hmm. to work with him. He's gorgeous. I couldn't, I could not wait. He was trained by one of my favorite people, Rocco Sofredi, who's from Italy. Um, you know, he, he's Russian. So he's going to have like, a strong accent, like foreign performers. And I always worked really well together. I feel mm -hmm. sexual chemistry outside of the U S is much greater. Foreign performers are more romantic. They're more intimate. They're more passionate. Um, it's, it's just a fact. And that's why they do so well in the industry. So that excitement was there. And I remember us meeting and he had me call a bunch of his friends on FaceTime. Uh, Cause of course, you know, he was young. So his parents right. were all fans of mine. It was just <laughs> reliving that magic was really great, but not many strangers got to be on set with me unless I met them first. Facts. Got you. Now, now you talked about a connection, right? The Ooh. intimacy part, right? So there's a lot of situations, especially when you talk to women, how they think like sex is very intimate, right? How is one of those things where, you know, it's like soul ties, right? And seeing that, you know, sex is, you know, it was your job is what you did. I guess, did you find yourself feeling, you know, having those feelings for somebody after a good session or feeling real intimate and seeing somebody that's attractive and really having like a connection with somebody after, you know, the, the shot? 
Not necessarily after, but I did have an intimate connection with all of the guys that I regularly worked with. I knew Mm -hmm. things like what their favorite perfume was, whether they prefer a thong or a full bottom panty. Like I made sure I knew the men that I was working with regularly, really, really well. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to save that passion for on set. When I first got in the business, I fell in love with the guy that I had my best sex with of my life. And then I realized (laughs) I was in love with him. I just had my best sex of my life. You know, it's like, in my, in my early twenties, this guy, and we dated, I was like, it ruined everything. Like we were awful on set. Like, you don't want to have sex with your boyfriend on camera. And that was when I realized I would just stay single while I was in the industry and have these relationships with the men that I worked with, because it was very special to me to romanticize my time with them because Mm -hmm. we should be truly connecting. That's what makes a great scene. You should like each other. It doesn't have to carry off set, but if you're going to see somebody one every couple of months and you think about them the night before, man, you have a great scene. And people always ask me like, what made you so popular? Like, what was your thing? I'm like, I didn't really have a thing, but I cherished the moments that I had with the male and female performers I worked with. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was special. And I knew if it was truly special from my heart, that it would come off that way on camera, which it did. So I was never like, we call them hand holders. There's these girls that'll like sit on the side of the set and they'll be like, tell me when the guy's hard. What? And the guy, oh, oh, yo, that is so common. You have hell no, nah, Lisa. Come on now. So they, they hold on. They gonna sit to the side and make the make the man, make the the brother. He gotta get himself up for the oh, scene. Yeah. Oh, they and what? you cannot get them off of their phone until he is ready. Uh, and as a what? director, producer, having to watch that. It hurt me because I realized, wow, you've lost the understanding for what this art is. This is a sexual dance that you're having, that you're sharing with the world. And you're not falling into that moment. Like to me, when I got on set, I turned my phone off. Even if Mm -hmm. my house was burning down, I didn't care because I was living a fantasy. I was, I wanted to stay in that moment. I want to play music on set. I normally talk to my guys about sports or whatever. You know, I knew a little bit about their lives. Like Mm -hmm. it was a date for me. It was a, it was the whole day was going to be just living in this total escape of reality. I would sit in traffic in LA and think all you motherfuckers are going to sit in a cubicle. I'm going to have some mad sex right now. Like you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And so I really lived it. Right. I really dove into it because I thought it was beautiful. I still, you know, I look through photos of mine regularly because I recycle my entire library that I own on OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. So I get to go through my old scenes. I love taking sex photos. I loved certain hand placement of where a guy would have his hands. And and I look back at those and I'm like, man, you know what? Like you, you, you let yourself lean in so hard. It's so beautiful how much passion I had for the experience that I was having. It was not just a paycheck to me. It was an absolute experience. And I wanted every guy to walk on set with me and know that day he was very special to me and that I wanted him to be comfortable. I never would hold my hands. I never would wait. I never would talk on my phone. I would never be disrespectful in any way. That was his moment to share with me. And we were going to have a great time. That's love. That's what's up. I love it. I love you. You got to be passionate about your career. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of what you're, whatever it is, you got to take it serious. That's how you, yes. And I love Lisa. I love the term sexual dance. Yeah. That's, 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 I love that. 
Because it is. Time. I mean, it it's is. a sexual dance from disrobing. Like, that's not as big of a deal in the new content that's out there. The guy comes in, he's hard to have sex. But right. years ago, because we had to shoot so much for cable, because cable didn't show penetration in the uh -huh. 90s, the everything up. was about how the guy took your bra off and how he yeah. addressed you and how he caressed you. And so I learned that sexual dance and I wanted to continue that. Even when things changed, I still carried that through my scenes until I retired. Got you. No, I definitely. But the passion in your voice, and I, I, I can truly see it on your face that you really love this. Let me ask you a quick question. I was gonna ask this later, but are you a hundred percent done? Like, is there like no chance in hell that you'll do another scene? Because it looks like I you got am, that. You still got that love. No, I am a hundred percent done. You okay. know, the risk factor started to really weigh on me as I became a more responsible adult. Right as yep. I started to really think about. I started to have these moments where I'd drive to set and I would say, you know, like you could get HIV today. Mm. Like you could get herpes right. today. Like I never had something that was treatable, not curable. Right? right. So I felt like I was starting to play with fire. And I also, you know, I had a talent agent for four years uh, and I, I knew what everybody else had and I knew what everybody was up against. And in 2013 and 2014, we struggled a lot in the industry. We had, quite a few HIV outbreaks. We do mm. test every two weeks, you know, but it's what people do on their free time, right? right. It's great. We're testing in the business. But this person's going out and, and doing whatever on their, whether it's drugs, whatever it may be. And mm. so, and it wasn't even the guy. I'm not even blaming the guy I'm working with on Tuesday. I'm worried about who he worked with on Monday. Right. So my last probably four years in the industry, it weighed on me heavily. Like it was a constant conversation I was having with myself. And so I realized like at what point is this no longer worth the risk, right? I would still direct and produce because I loved that. But even that now is very difficult because I do not want to direct girls that hold hands. Like I don't want right. to direct people right. who don't understand the art of it. So it would be so selective, but so the risk became an element that I could no longer really properly process as being worth the return. Got you. Now, that's a good point. Definitely understand that. Um, and then Bolo, I, I had another question here. Uh, you kind of touched on it briefly. I feel like, so Obviously, you mentioned, you know, you wanted to be single for the most part during your career uh, while you were working. Um, I'm assuming that there's probably was a time or two where you you tried to try dating someone and maybe it didn't work, whatever the case may be. But my question is, like, how how much did they really affect your dating life? Right. Because I'm trying to think that as a man, you have to be very, very secure to date Lisa Ann and understand what her profession was and her history. Like, talk about how it affected your dating life. I never dated when I was doing scenes. Never, mm. never. Because an old school Italian woman you're looking at right here, I could not process how I could be with a man and offer myself to a man when he knew I was going to work with, be with another man. Mm -hmm. So I just Achoo. looked at it as that is not going to be a part of my life. Also, I was on the road feature dancing all the time. I was gone all the time. I wasn't conducive to like offer myself as a good girlfriend to somebody. So I just didn't try it. There was a time in 97 when I left the industry over HIV. So we had a mm -hmm. very bad situation in 1997. And I, I left before the industry shut down for almost six months. I left because tests kept popping and we weren't stopping shooting. And I remember after the third female came positive with HIV and everybody was like, Oh, you know, we'll figure it out. I was like, you know, fuck this. I don't think I trust this. Yeah. So I'm going to take a break. 
I'm just going to feature dance full time. And I met someone during that time. We mm-hmm. got married. Uh, so I was married. I was okay. okay. <laughs> got divorced, but we're still friends. And he was such a great part of that part of my life because he was my fr- the only guy still to this day that I ever lived with. Um, we traveled together. You know, we got bikes. We rollerbladed. We like did boyfriend, girlfriend shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But when we split up, I started working at an agency. And when I started working there was when the MILF thing first happened. And, Mm. you know, I was already in my 30s. And, you know, when I was in the industry in my early 20s, like, we didn't even know where porn stars went in their 30s. We're like, what do these women do? Like, where do they go? There's no, but then the (laughs) MILF category happened and I landed into that category. And I remember the first kid that said to me, you know, you'd you'd be a great MILF. And I was kind of like weirdly offended. I was like, what does that even mean? Right, what do you say? (laughs) Then Desperate Housewives, that show came about. And like, I realized like, Oh, this is cool. Like the hot woman, like with the young guy, the pool guy. Okay. I get this now. And I got back in. Got you. Makes a lot of sense, man. And I'm glad you mentioned that uh, as well. Cause my next question is obviously one of your most famous, you know, scenes, or I know you did a few scenes was when you uh, was acting as former, you know, U S governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin. Uh, Just talk about how much fun was it acting in those scenes? I know you ended up being in an Eminem music video. I feel like, during that time, it, it felt like that was like the the peak of your prime. I could be wrong, but it just felt like that was like oh, no, you right. <laughs> I mean, it was my first time I did a project that became part of pop culture, right? right. I mean, first of all, when you get invited to be in an Eminem video, you're like, oh, when I'm 80, I'll be on YouTube watching this shit and be like, I was cool one day. I was in an Eminem right. video, okay? <laughs> you know, it was also my first set where there was mainstream media there and there were mm. so many people there from like E and TMZ and all the, and we had never had that in the industry before. It was before all of these companies were doing these movies that were like the triple X version of. And so it was, and I was like into it. I was like, wow, look at all these random people. Like never watched this shit live before. I wonder if they were wondering like what their workday was going to be like today. Right. Like, here they are on set, like <laughs> breathing on us. We're sweating because there's like all these people in the mm-hmm. room it was a game changer. I mean, it was a game changer for me, my popularity. Everyone knew who I was after that point. And it was also a different time. You mm-hmm. know, we were still having fun with politics then. Mm-hmm. If you flash forward to now, Ooh. I mean, can't touch it. You may or may not know this, but the governor of Alaska currently, her name is Lisa Murkowski. When I found this out, I was like, let Ooh. me go and look up what her middle name is. Her fucking middle name is Lisa Ann. Stop oh, playing, God. Lisa. Stop playing right now. No. Damn. Bolo, hit, hit the buzzer, Bolo. Hit oh the buzzer. God. What the hell? What is going on? But of course, you know, I don't want to get back in. But like when I first, because I found out because, of course, I follow Sarah Palin on all social media. She's one of my favorite follows. To the same. She's hilarious. And she was beefing with this Lisa Murkowski. And I'm like, and here we go, Lisa. But. People aren't laughing at politics anymore. I was in at that perfect time, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to touch anything political now. People are very sensitive. Yeah. People are very outrageous. Um, and so my timing of being able to kind of laugh with someone, laugh at someone without the world turning against you. But I will say this. My friends were afraid for me. Uh, my friends were really afraid that doing something political would make me unsafe mm. um, and that her like followers could come after me. And I remember the one state I wanted to go to that would not have me as a feature dancer was Alaska. 
Really? And they said, you cannot come here. People wow. love Sarah Palin here. You cannot come and feature dance here. We will have a hard time with our club. We can't do that. So I was like, huh. That's wild. I later went to Alaska on my own and visited her hometown of Usala. 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 It's like Usa, Bala. I like that. <laughs> so, did you ever have a chance to like meet Sarah Palin and have a discussion with her or no? I did not, but I DM her right now once a month because I'd love to have her on my podcast. Of course, she hasn't responded, but she also hasn't blocked me. Now, I'm Ooh. pretty sure she doesn't do her own social media, but like each time I just send the DM, it's really thrilling because I've learned a lot from her. Uh, she was a huge part of my future success in my life, and I think she could open up her demographic by having this conversation with me. Good but point. no, we have not yet met, but I am, I'm going to die trying guys. Yes. Yes. No, I love it, man. You might have to bring her back from, not from a, the porn side, but from the sports gambling side. I like, do like yes. a go to Bavada and do a whole IG live at Sarah Palin. Post I'd a like TikTok. to go to the shooting range with her. She's a big gun Ooh. enthusiast. Ooh. I would love to be like, hey, oh. let me come up your way. Let's go to the range. Imagine me and Serge blowing shit up. Like, <laughs> That's great content. That's great content, scary, Lisa. You know? yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. So, Lisa, um, as we get ready to transition um, into that, that new phase of your life, we have one more question to ask you before we transition. So I think this is probably one of the biggest questions a lot of people want to know. Is porn fake? What I mean by that is a lot of people think it's fake. It has a lot of, you know, situations that don't seem real. So kind of give us the game, kind of give us your your science behind, you know, what porn is. Let's break it down in sports terms. It's like anything else. There's starters and there's bench players. Okay, I think with the bench players, there might be more of a faking it element. But with the starters, when you're talking about Angela White, Cherie DeVille, Sarah J, it's always hard to list people on the fly. But there mm-hmm. are a lot of really sexual beings that are doing that sexual dance I talked to you about. Uh-huh. But then you get the bench players that are just in it for the check. I call them paycheck performers. You get the guy, he's got to either inject his penis or he's got to take Viagra because he's not into the girl. And, you know, there is that. So there's a divide, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of sex, uh, a lot of the sex you do see is real, but it's going to be with the the performers that are popular. And the reason they're popular is because you can believe what they're selling you. You can Mm -hmm. believe what they're doing is enjoyable. You can watch them and see that they're into it. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mixed bag, right? Mm -hmm. It's 50, 50. It was much different in the nineties when there were no PEDs. The guys really had to be into it, right? They had to really be into the girl. The girl would be really into them. You both had to help each other. So that was kind of the purest and most real form of pornography. Um, And then once additives came in and also the demand to shoot four scenes in a day for a director because- The tube sites have killed the money so much for production companies that they need to use a location and maximize how much they're using. So they only have like three hours per couple to kind of get these scenes done. That's when Mm -hmm. it changes a lot, becomes just a factory of porn. Got you. No, that's definitely interesting, man. So that was a good question, but I know he's gonna come with that question, Bolo. You came with the heat on that. You just see it, you just see the question all the time and 
you know, one of the biggest things where that guys talk about is just like the stamina on men and how long they're going on the on the uh, different videos and stuff. And they're like, man, it's fake. Like this ain't none of this stuff real. You know, <laughs> I can't do that. that. That has to be uh, fake. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's it's good for Lisa to give us some game and give our listeners some game on what the true, you know, the true thing is. But and, let and, me just say one thing. Know yeah. that they're shooting us with different style lenses. So a lot of men watch porn and then they get intimidated about their size, right? Mm. The men are being shot with a fisheye lens, which makes them look bigger. A lot of the guys are mm. really lean. The leaner you are, the bigger it's going to look. Yes, there are uh, there are a lot of guys that are a little bit bigger than average in the industry, but I do also want men out there to feel confident with what they have because mm-hmm. they're not being lit. They're not being shot a certain way. They're not opening up to a camera to make it look larger. So understand that there is a little bit of fiction kind of mixed in there. I didn't know that either. Thanks for real. Thanks for, hey, she comes to the port. She dropping yeah. gems. Gems. Give us the inside gyms. game. I love that. So fellas, be confident in what you got. Be and confident in what you got. And use that thing. So. Love it. Uh, but let's transition. Obviously, man, you have done, like I said earlier, an amazing in my opinion, transition. You're now in the sports media uh, space. Um, just talk about, I guess, in general, how you were able to make that transition so so seamlessly. I think in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, is when you first joined Sirius XM, started doing your fantasy. Just talk about that transition and, and how you're able to do that. So I was pretty fortunate. You know, I grew up a sports fan. Uh, Basketball was my first love. My mom was a basketball mom for Lafayette College. So we went to every single home Lafayette College game and she would make dinner uh, with other moms for players so that the away team would have a meal before they hopped on the bus, went home. She went to every single game. My dad was into football. We only saw him on Sundays. So during the season, my (laughs) conversation with my dad had to be about football or there was no conversation. So between basketball and football, I grew up a big fan. When Mm -hmm. I started going on the road feature dancing, I kind of scheduled my gigs around games so I could see different arenas, stadiums and ballparks all over the U.S. So I took Mm -hmm. tours where, you know, I knew I was going to get to go to at least one game every single booking that I did. And what that did was it opened me up to the fan base in each city where I would be like, oh, I went to PNC Park today. I got to see a Pirates game. It was awesome. Like, oh, is it Airhead? Like, you know, it really opens you up to make conversation. When you're standing naked in a room of men, you want to have as much conversation as you can to prevent things from getting uber awkward or them being forward with you. And once you start talking to a dude about sports, whether you're naked or not, he's talking to you. (laughs) Right. Carried on to me hosting a Monday night show on Sirius XM called Stripper Town. Mm. And Stripper Town was guys would call in and tell us like what tell me like wild stories of things that happened to them at strip clubs, which was an unlimited resource of nonsense, which I love. <laughs> and I would bring on girls and interview them. And it worked out well because Mondays I was always home from the road. I would come home from my gigs on Sunday. And the problem was there's also a Monday night game on. Uh, mm, right. Monday. So during football season, my fans that met me on the road would sneak back past my producer by telling him like, oh, I had this strip club story. But really, they were going to give me an update on the game because there was no TV at the Playboy studio where we did the show. (laughs) And so my producer would give me so much shit. Like, you can't be talking sports on here. Like, this is Playboy. I'm like, you know, I can't help it. Like, they just call. They're giving me an update on the game. Like, and this went on and on and on. And then. As I'm almost like I'm at the axe point, I've had my two write-ups. We're going to the third. My producer came to me and he said, hey, um, I know a producer in New York City. 
He had a fantasy football show and it was Playboy Playmates. The show just broke up, but he's still looking to bring on an entertainer to do fantasy football. I was like, well, I don't know anything about fantasy football, but I know I can do this. Let me go and meet him. I went and met him in June, got myself a studio apartment in New York so that I would have a place so I could be at the studio and do the shows from there, even though I still had my home in L.A. I mapped this out where my show would be Monday nights, the same time slot that I already had with Stripper Town. And Matt gave me a chance. My first show was September 9th, 2013. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how it felt to walk into the Sirius XM building. I was there for seven years. Um, I took the entire summer. I went to all of my friends who played fantasy football and had them like show me how to mock draft, talk to me about different things, you know, kicker, home, indoor stadium, all these little like every one of my guy friends gave me like one tip, one tip, one tip. And so I started playing. I learned on the fly uh, and I and I fell in love with it because it's like the game inside the game. Right. If your team isn't doing well, you're still passionate about football. You're still passionate about watching games instead of being depressed. So yeah. it was. And that's funny you said transition. that because I think it keeps you so connected to the sport specifically. Like sometimes like say if you're just watching a normal game, sometimes you don't finish the game or really look into like how this specific person is playing per right. se. But once you get a lineup, you know, either it's football <laughs> or basketball, like you're locked in, like, okay, he has 15 points or okay. He has, you know, 95 yards in the first half. I think we're doing pretty good. So you're like <laughs> literally locked into like, yeah, the stats, you're like the watching the Cincinnati Bengals because you have Seriously. Joe Burrow. Like, would you have been watching the Bengals 15 exactly. years ago? Hell no, no. Absolutely every not. single game. And it's, it's great for the NFL as well. hundred yeah. percent. No, I definitely love it. And I know today now you're working. Uh, not only are you doing fantasy, you're also doing like the sports betting, sports gambling side with Bovada. Um, talk about just that partnership. I see you like every week, like uh, multiple times throughout the week. You're on your IG live. You're doing videos like I'm like, Lisa's always she's on grind mode all the time. Talk about how that partnership started and kind of what your role is with them. Especially during football season. Uh, if you're in this world, football season is your like do or die. Like your friends mm-hmm. know you're not doing anything between August and February. After that, you get a little bit of freedom. <laughs> I still do cover some baseball and some basketball, but like during this time, no, I can't travel. I can't do nothing. I don't go anywhere. Like NFL news is, is my life. It yeah. started with a March Madness contest early in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and they reached out to me and said, hey, you know, as an influencer, we'd like to bring you on to this one gig. And and we built this great relationship. And so that football season, they came to me and they said, hey, we'd like to know if you would like to start doing this project with us, uh, brand influencer, you know, with, with Bavada. And I realized like sports betting is similar to porn right? There's an unlimited about, and I'm talking porn in the nineties where there's so much money. Nobody knows what to do about it. And these are companies that are paying influencers stupid money because they're making so much money. They have to spend money. I mean, look, mm-hmm. McAfee just got 30 mil from FanDuel. Like, I love McAfee, yes. though. I'm not going to lie. I yeah. would be 60 because I can't live without a show. It is so damn good as he keeps it so real. I love He so just real. himself. I love but, it. Gosh, when you said indie, I no longer think about anything other than McAfee. Yes. So, um, you know, it just, I knew it was the avenue to go. I knew sports betting being legalized in more states in the U.S. um, was going to become, you know, a real big thing. And I know with that, fantasy football will always be big. But once sports betting is legal, that's where the money's really going to be. So I'm always Mm -hmm. about chasing, like, where is the money that's going to be no matter what? Being ahead of the curve, so to speak. Right. I love it. I love it. So, 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 so Lisa, with, with like the fantasy, 
right? Obviously, the last two years had had to be chaotic, right? Mm. With COVID, players not playing, just kind of, you know, the season being on hall, you know, basketball people playing in the bubble, or even in football when people didn't have fans. I think that affects people's play as well, not having, you know, fans and people cheering you on as well. So I think there's a lot of variables that came into play, even still to this day, I guess, how did that affect you know, your fantasy. And I, I I guarantee you, I know people are probably reaching out asking for, you know, your professional opinion on who they should draft and what their roster should look like. So give us an insight to, you know, how you're able to maneuver, you know, through this COVID madness. It fucking sucks. Yeah. I'm just going to just put it like that. It sucks because my listening of six to eight hours of sports radio a day had to go to 12 to 14 hours. My mm. notebook that I carry around my apartment that was like mm-hmm. updates, you know, was just like full after a couple of weeks. Last year was much harder. This year really didn't get hard until about week 15. That's when things yeah. really started yeah. to get hard this year. It's a lot more difficult. I mean, it is, it is, you got to have so much more patience and look, there's teams that were like almost undefeated up until about week 14. And then players just start getting taken out of your lineup. There's nobody left on the waiver wire. There's nothing you could do about it. You're not going to the championship over something that's really out of your control. Right. Right. But it's still a game. And you still have to look at it like this, this is part of the challenge. This is why fantasy sports is not sports betting, because there's still a bit of challenge, still a bit of things involved that are out of your when it comes to sports betting at this point you can't make your picks till right before the game you, yeah. you want to hedge your bets you want to look at the line okay the line's going to change 10 points because right. yeah if you want to try and get it on the under but oh now we're going to have a third string quarterback like mm-hmm. luckily today the nfl did change the covid protocol laws but it definitely made it harder but if you love the challenge it should make you just sink your teeth in even deeper. If you don't have the time to listen to as much sports radio as I, I understand that because you're not talking it live on IG where you need to be really up to speed of what's going on. Find your favorite shows, mm-hmm. get your couple of hours in mm-hmm. or read online, but you got to be paying attention. And the most important gotcha. time to pay attention is Sunday mornings when those inactives come out at yep. 1130. That's really what don't start stressing because a player is resting on Wednesday. He's right. resting. That's regular rest. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't, don't like Tuesdays or Wednesdays or when I get to listen to music and podcasts um, starting Wednesday night, I switch back over to just sports and then I don't listen to any music except at the gym for the rest of the week. And on the weekends, it's sports radio at the gym, which sucks. But during football season to stay locked on in. top of that news, you got to be locked in. Gotcha. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So I know a few weeks ago um, you actually went to the big boxing event. You know, you had Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley. And you were there specifically supporting NFL legend Frank Gore as he fought uh, NBA star, former NBA star Darren Williams. What was that environment like? I was watching it on TV. It looked crazy. I mean, the Frank Gore uh, Darren Williams fight was epic, in my opinion. A lot of action. What was it like being there live? Well, first and foremost, going from New York City to Florida is like going around the globe because oh, New yeah. York City, you know, it's vax requirement everywhere. They're checking your ID. They're checking your card. You got to wear it. We, we, we haven't taken masks off except <laughs> inside our apartments yet. OK, so right. with that said, you go to Florida and it's like this free for all. A boxing event of that stature, it's just a fashion show. Like everybody, like I have never seen more sick kicks in my life in one night. Ocho Cinco came in the dressing room, <laughs> talked to Frank. He looked fly as hell. T.O. was with him. His sneakers were fly as hell. Frank's kids were dressed fly. Everybody was just. You were dressed fly too, Lisa. Don't sleep on yourself. I, I saw the, the, the bodysuit with the. Crazy. Ooh. <laughs> 
I think Beyonce, that's an Ivy Park edition. Okay. I have a girl at Nordstrom that knew what I was looking for. She called me one night during football on a Sunday. She's like, yo, we just got new outfits. They'll be perfect for the fight. They'll be gone in about two hours. You need to walk over here. Ooh. I walked over right away. I was like, I'm there. I'll listen to the, the games <laughs> on the radio. I got my earbuds in. I got Sirius XM. But it was an incredible event. For me, I learned a lot. It was my first time getting to be in a dressing room for the mm-hmm. whole event. Um, how detailed boxing is, you know, there's actually someone that comes in as an inspector. He arrives in the dress room and he does not leave until Frank is out in the, in the ring. Mm. He goes to the bathroom with Frank. Mm. Like there's no privacy. Once you start to get taped up, that's it. Game on. You cannot be left alone. So wow. this avoids anything that could be considered cheating or right. shooting up or doing all these. I learned so, so, so much. But one of the things I really learned was Jake Paul. I had known about Jake Paul through the content creator, just the letter K that I took with me on this trip to mm-hmm. capture the best of Frank Gore. And years ago, K had taught me about Jake Paul YouTuber. Okay, I started to follow Jake Paul. This is a Jake Paul does not need the money to be doing these fights. Right. Jake Paul pays female fighters more than they've ever been paid. He believes in equal pay. He takes care of everyone that works for him. Wow. He puts on these grandiose events. He's a showman. And he's also openly speaking about how he feels different since his first fight. Mm -hmm. And how he feels sometimes a bit mentally slower. And I think because of Jake Paul, we're probably going to look at boxers. We're probably going to look at fighters and think about what kind of insurance, what kind of secondhand care they need when they do retire, how we should be Mm -hmm. looking after them. You know, we looked at fighters. I grew up in Easton, so I was, you know, home of Larry Holmes. Yeah. Um, At that era, either Don King robbed you or you got knocked out too many times and you were done. And you know what? The boxing world was done with you. And I think Jake Paul could be this great educator to how we can create a lifelong space. The trainers, the dedication with the team that was around Frank was just so impressive. I got to interview and speak with a lot of female boxers as well. The entire event blew my mind on a level that I didn't expect. And I was really impressed with what Jake Paul's put together. He does not need the money. He's right. not doing the money. You know, he does not need the money. And Woodley, give him credit for taking this fight in two weeks. Yeah. Um, that shows a man that constantly is training and ready and ready. I kind of would have liked to see him win because then we'd have one, one, we'd see a third. But right. that hit, that hit <sighs> was like, like that's why I want every fight to end. I hate decisions. Look, yes. Frank, I, I have a thing with referees. I think referees should be switching every fight. I don't think they should be staying in the ring. I think referees in NBA should swap out at halftime. I think referees Ooh. in the NFL should swap out at halftime. You know why? These guys are not athletes and they're out there doing the same thing. They're not getting rest when the defense offense. Why are we thinking that they can do this and have the right blood sugar to make the same good decisions in the third quarter? They made the first quarter. That's a great point. There was a time where the fight was broken because I had ringside seats, which was amazing. Thank you, Bavana. Thank you, Frank Gore. Um, (laughs) I could see that when the ref broke, Williams hit him again. And he He hit him in the back of the head. And there Mm -hmm. were a couple of things there where I thought, okay, this could have gone very differently. And when you're that close, you do get to see those little mistakes on television. Maybe you didn't. But so I didn't want them to go to a decision. But for Frank Gore to take his very first fight 
in a massive arena and not just, you know, a small event, the pressure, because he said, oh, I'm used to the pressure. I played in the NFL, but this is totally different. It's different, yeah. Um, <laughs> I got to give him credit for just doing that, how hard he worked. Frank has boxed on the offseason through his entire NFL career. Uh, it's something he does to keep in shape. It's something he believes is really good for his balance, always believed as a running back that it's very good for his balance. Um, Bavada has been posting some of the behind the scenes footage. So you can learn more about Frank and his history boxing, mm -hmm. but it was a great event. I absolutely loved it. And yes, I do love playing dress up. So like I knew it was going to be a fashion show. So I was like, mm -hmm. I told every single clerk in New York City, like, here's the event I have. Here's the date. I need something hella unique. Yeah. This is what I'm going for. Um, and it needed to be long sleeves. I, I had surgery on my arm a couple of months ago. So I have this nasty scar and um, it's it's healing. But I did it during winter so I could wear long sleeves. And then this event Smart. came and I'm like, yo, I can't show off my arms because I went to I had all these specifics. Yeah, that I gave everyone <laughs> like I would like you to have thumb hole. I'd like to be long sleeves. And when this outfit came about, I was like, oh, it was so perfect. <laughs> Brought you to tears almost. man. Oh, it was the tears. It sounds like you need to have more events to go to so we can see Lisa in well, dressed up. I turned 50 this year. So Ooh. in 2022, I will be 50 years old. So I'm planning a big shoot uh, early February. Okay. okay. To do promo picks for turning 50, you know, 50 balloons. I have this whole vision. Um, and I'm going to do a lot of club events, you know, different places all over the world because we should celebrate that I'm turning 50. Yes. That's a big part of a lot of people's Absolutely. lives. And I'm actually going to work less this year. So one of the New Year's announcements that I'm going to make is that I'm scaling back my workload for the year by about 50, maybe 60%. Ooh, okay. uh, because I always told myself that if I was in this place at 50, I would travel to all of the people that I met along the way and spend time, whether it's lunch, dinner, going out, and then of course do some fun events as well. But I want to celebrate life this year. I think too many people wait and they're like, Oh, I'll do that when I retire. Mm. You don't know if you're going to be as healthy when you retire. So you don't know I'm... if you're going to feel as financially comfortable to spend your retirement money on traveling around the world. So I'll get back to my grind in 2023 and I'll still do my podcast. I'll still do some sports betting stuff, a little bit of fantasy, but it is going to be so dramatically scaled back so that I can really live in the moment. It's going to be, I'll do hmm. more, more niche events. Like I already have plans to go with a group of friends to the U S open this year and also to go to the Kentucky Derby this year. That's so like, cool. those are great, like small influencer gigs. I'll be like, all right, y'all do my thing for you. But for me to be on IG every week for this year, hell no! I am yeah, no. celebrating. 50. You deserve it. The big five zero, at least a plate list. I don't want to. I don't want to beg or anything. But if you come out to LA and do it, do an event, you know, I'm out here. So you know, just <laughs> let, let your boy know. And um, I love that you said you got to live in a moment. This is a seamless plug. I do have my own clothing brand. Live for today, as I have Ooh, on the shirt. Wear some of I them. might have to say, I got some, we got some leggings, some sports bras, some active gear. If you're interested, no pressure, totally interested. send you a package. I think you represent the brand to, to a T. Live for today. So we'll talk about that offline. But uh, no, I uh, definitely appreciate that. That, that I think Lisa, that was that was a true gem. I think the porch needed to hear because I think so much, uh, especially like millennials, I think we get caught up in the grind and working so much and so much that. You never just take time to sit back and pat yourself on the back, right? Yes. Or just to really sit back and enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? I think, you know, and, and for me, life is short, you know. Um, yeah. You know, people come and go, you know. And, you know, my grandparents always say, you know, 
do what you need to do while you're here, because when you're gone, you know, somebody else going to be doing or somebody else going to be spending your money. Right. Right. So uh, it's it's important for you to just, you know, take advantage, especially if you've created a foundation for yourself to do those things. Go ahead, like live life, create memories and do those things because work is always going to be here. And, you know, it couldn't happen at a better time. We've just gone through two of the most unusual years we could ever predict to be alive. And I feel worse for anyone under 25 and anyone over 65 than I do for myself because I felt awful of, you know, graduating from college and not having a graduation and all the things that Mm -hmm. young people need to be doing to be young people, like having fun. And then the the older group that's more afraid of COVID and also wanted to travel for the retirement isn't doing it. Those two groups reminded me of where I am right now. And to say, like, live in this gratitude. I've met so many great people all over the world. And I kind of just want to tell them all one by one, face to face. Like, I've thought of you. There have been things that you told me when we met that have stuck with me. You've made me more whole. You've given me something to look forward to. Like, that's the mission for 2022. Love it. I, I love it, man. You about to bring about to bring me to tears on the on the porch, uh, Lisa, man. I appreciate that. Uh one thing I wanted to, you know, last thing I want to touch on before we hit go to our ending uh segment with the quick hitters is your um your uh, I guess impact on other women in both industries, right? And in the adult film industry and here in the sports industry. I'm doing our, my research. I know you know you had your own, you know, agency where you were helping out, I think women over the age of 30 to just, you know, get the proper representation and get treated fair when it comes to different scenes. And then now you're in a uh, male dom- uh, dominated industry, being in the sports media industry, and you're killing it, you're doing your thing. Just talk about, um, I guess, just that that willingness or just that want to, to help women out um, in either industry. I was inspired by a woman that was my neighbor. She never had children, but she kind of took me under her wing. Her name was Peggy. She lived to be almost 102 years old. Wow, that's a blessing. And her kindness was just what her legacy was going to be. And so when you ask yourself, like, what do you really want your legacy to be? It's about how you've impacted lives of others. It's not about what Mm. stuff you had. Mm -hmm. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about any of that. So I reach out to every woman in sports, like every every time I see someone new in the fantasy sports, the sports betting space, like have to DM them, have to reach out to them, have to get on FaceTime with them, have to see like where they're at. Like, what are your questions? Like, is there anything you need? Like, what can I help you with? I did the same in the adult business and I still do. I'm very lucky to still have my finger on the pulse through some PR people in the industry and their clients can reach out to me anytime. And I like to talk to them about money. You know, it's always like, what are you doing with your money? How are you planning? Do you have an accountant you trust? Like it's, I start at the ground level. Like, Who's doing your taxes? How are you managing your money? Because it's important that we all share the things that we've learned with other people. And so Mm -hmm. I think women, especially young women in the industry, they're less trusting. They're afraid to go to a guy, a male account. They'll say, well, I'm afraid to trust anybody. I'm like, okay, let's find you a female that can represent you that you feel comfortable with, that, that, that you don't feel you're being judged by. Like you can't not make moves because you're afraid of the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm always reminding people like, yeah, though in our own head, we can tell the worst case scenario. We can tell the worst story, but you also have to counter that with the best story. Mm. You could meet somebody fabulous. It might be trial and error, but you can't not do it because you're afraid of the worst case scenario. So me sharing with people, and especially now in the sports world, I find people are more fascinated by me in this world because 
I don't give a fuck what people think, you know, and people be like, oh, do people say nasty things to you? Yeah, every day. That's keyboard warriors on the internet. That's what they do, right. you know, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean their life is better than mine. Doesn't mean they have better relationships than I do. That's what really matters. Our true currency in this life is our relationships. It's Thanks. nothing else. So I try to build those relationships and I try to let women know at any age, in any business, reach out to me. If you have a question, obviously I've kind of been through it all. So like, and I'm not judgmental, of course. And right. so I just feel people open up to me really easily because I've had so many very unique experiences, whether it's a young girl who's having a tough time with her family, whether it's a young girl who's trying to date the industry, whether it's a young girl who's trying to save money, like financial wellness is everything. And so my first real, real means with everyone is like, what are you doing to plan for your future? Yesterday, I spent an hour with a girl who's 21 and I broke it down to her of like, if she only saved $10,000 a year starting at 21, how much she would have by the time right. she was 50 and how easy it would be to just save $10,000 right now. And so Ooh. having this, I saw the little, we were on Zoom and I saw the little light go on in her eyes. I'm like, okay, I'm there. Now I just yeah. need to send her books. Now I just need to introduce her to advisors that I trust that can help her. And now I've like repositioned her to be like, oh, financially well. So mm -hmm. I just love doing it. And it fuels me. And Peggy always told me like, your kindness is what you really want out there in the world. It protects you. It's going to give you good karma. It's going to give you safety. And so I'm always trying to channel Peggy through my life and remind everybody that like I'm there. And I do believe that it's been karma for me. I love it. I love it. Keep keep doing that. Keep being that role model. Keep, you know, being that trailblazer right. for women. It's, we need more of that. So, nah, definitely appreciate that. Um, so, yes, going to our closing segment, man. This is our quick hitter segment. So, we'll ask you just a list of um, random questions. And um, you try to answer within, you know, 30 seconds or less. We'll say that. So, Bolo, I'll get it started. And then you can jump me okay. in. We'll go back and forth. So, the first one. If I'm not mistaken, Lisa... You grew up a Cowboys fan, right? Still am a Cowboys fan. Okay. 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 <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. So answer this. Will the Cowboys win a playoff game this year? Yes or no? Yes. Ooh, she sounded pretty confident. Okay. Bolo, jump in. Jump in. Now, before we get there, kind of give us a, a little bit of detail behind why you think is that they usually crumble around this time. Of year. So. We do usually crumble, but our defense is the strength of our team right now. Look, our momentum was not good this past game, but mm -hmm. Diggs gets an interception. First time our defense is on the field like that is a game changer. That is the shift that a team needs to be like, OK, we got the ball back. We got the ball back in two plays like, OK, we got another opportunity. The opportunities that our defense are providing for our offense mm. are remarkable. Dak Prescott suffered a major injury and has come back in such a great way. He hit a rut a bit this season mm -hmm. when he was kind of banged up again. But look what we have. CeeDee Lamb is one of the best additions to the Dallas Cowboys. You still have Amari Cooper. You have Michael Gallup. You know, Zeke may be a little bit banged up with his knee, but still can get it done. And when Tony mm -hmm. Pollard is healthy, he's got that burst that you always want your running back to have. So we got Mika Parsons. Like, I just think when you look at how our team has been built, this is the best drafting we've done. If you ask me in two seasons, I like what we're doing with the play calling. So, yes, we can win a playoff game. I like it. I, I like it. it. OK, so next question for 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 you here, Lisa, um, who do you believe deserves to win the MVP in the NFL this season? Ooh, it's a tough one. 
It is a tough one because Aaron Rodgers deserves it, but will he get it over the vaccine situation that Mm, took place earlier this season? People are very petty, and that kind of hurts. Tom Brady always deserves it. Tom Brady is not just incredible on the field, but look, again, the vaccine will come up with Antonio Brown, but look what Tom Brady has done with Antonio Brown as a human, as a mentor, as a person fighting to get him in Tampa, and then... We haven't heard any bad news about Antonio Brown other than this little Vax card thing. But like, that's one thing compared to what he was up to three years ago when all you were watching was his stories to see what chaos was going on in his life. So what Brady does, I read TB12. I followed everything that he does with his diet. I definitely stretch more because of Tom Brady. Like I definitely feel I'm healthier because of what I've learned from Tom Brady. He deserves it. And then my young player, listen, this kid has swagger. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> if he has an opposing coach come out and talk shit about him. What does he do on Christmas Day? He puts on that Santa hat and he goes Ooh. out and talks at his presser. That is one young Joe Burrow. I love the kid. <laughs> I've been behind him since the jump and this season over 500 yards this weekend. Thank you very much. Balling. That was an amazing game. Okay. I like that. That's a, that's somewhat of a hot take a little bit with Joe Burrow having a good okay. season. I thought you were going to say Jonathan Taylor, maybe at the running back position. I understand you would say that. I know because <laughs> yeah. Indy, I get that you would say that, but I'm staying on the QBs right there because it's hard to compete with a QB in that situation yeah, or I'd be giving it to my defense. I love it. I absolutely. love it. Okay. Well, let me jump in. Let's switch to the NBA. Who are your current top five players in the NBA right now? Number one, no doubt, Paul George. Ooh, okay, okay. PG-13. Number two, Steph Curry, because he always just gets it done. The excitement, the love, the fact that he has never lost the joy from his face as he plays basketball. Like He's happy. like a kid out there playing, like when I played. By the way, I moved into a building that had a basketball court so I could start playing again. I play five days a week. I shoot 50 shots every morning. I what? I would do my workout, then I have to make 50 baskets before I can come up and uh, do my thing. You might have to play one-on-one, Lisa, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> talk about that. Giannis, how can you not love what the Got Greek does and has put together his family? If you remember when Giannis first came to the U.S. and got signed, he took his whole family to Walmart in a yeah. limo and had it like, uh, at that time, was it Snapchat we were all using back then? Like, it was an IG story, but that was great. Trey Young. This Ooh, kid, yes. not only an incredible player, but his off-field activities for charity have been mm. far none for somebody his age jumping in that game. I, I am big in charity as well. So to see what he's done for his community and what he shares with other people is shows me he's a phenomenal human. And then last but not least, can not discount Devin Booker. I understand that he's mm. in Phoenix. They never get enough credit. They're a damn good team. They may be the best in the West. Yes. And Booker's a big part of that. That's a strong list right there, Bolo. It's a strong list you're coming in with. It's hard to argue that. Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, who am I? Oh, okay. So this is no, this is my top five. No order. Just top. This is my top five. You didn't say Kevin Durant. Yeah, I was gonna say KD. I gotta put Kevin Durant in there. He's been balling out when he's healthy, he's been healthy. He has to be in my top five. Steph Curry. He's petty though. He's petty. He he's petty, petty, but but on that court Hi. though, Lisa, keep it real on the court. But I did mean, you see that he went petty at some like young kid over some shot last week on social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I can't, like I I can't. You got so much going on, like that is your karma, man. So yeah. you, you get knocked down. That's petty. 
I get the burner accounts thing. We all do it, but I mean, petty. I feel you. I feel you. I, I, I'm kind of separating. It's hard, right? I'm kind of separating the on court from some of the off court stuff because yeah. that can get a little, a little hairy I there. So, KD, okay, Steph. I have the Joker. I like Jokic. He's been like balling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I gotta still put LeBron in there. You got it. You he's, got it. He's been balling, so that's four. And who would be my fifth? Ah, it's tough, Lisa. I have a hard time with LeBron and it's not his fault. I met him at live and he is one of two celebrities that when I met him, I absolutely fell apart. Um, I, it was the night before he was going to make the announcement that he was going to Miami. So it was him D Wade. And why is it a Bosch? Chris Bosch. Yep. They were all at live. I was at live as a bunch of people hosting. And so the security guys, like, I know you're a big fan of LeBron. I just read like every book. I was waiting for this decision to happen. Like I was as a fan, not Lee San, a fan <laughs> security guy takes me over. My girlfriend's behind me. I was like going over. It's too loud to hear anything that anybody's saying. You know, he's smoking a cigar. He leans over, he shakes my head. As he starts talking to me, what comes out of my mouth is I'm such a fan. That's what you said. I then shake his hand. I turn around. I tell my friends, we got to go. Like the tears were flooding out oh, of my gosh. eyes. You're lying, Lisa. No. You, you came I, to tears? Are you kidding me? <laughs> At that time, peak LeBron as a huge NBA fan. Like you got to remember, I don't walk around like I'm Lisa Ann. I right. walk around. I'm a person. I'm a right. fan. This huge event. It's the night before they're going to go on Sports Center at five in the morning and, and talk about this. Like this is such a big change in the nba it was his history and like i was part of it and he's there yeah so i couldn't wow. have him on my top five for that reason because i fell apart man that's the exclusive i've never heard that story before oh, wow my friends still make fun of me about it because you know you're like you have makeup on you're like you, right. know, you can't look at anybody because it's gonna be right you gotta go right to the bathroom it's gonna be running down eyeliner's face. going down all the makeup yeah oh I man and out he shook my hand and i lost my shit damn it happens damn. to the best of us though lisa thanks and my fifth, my fifth one, I would probably have to go. I know he's been dealing with a little bit of injury, but I like Luca. I like Luca Doncic at the fifth spot. So okay, that'll probably be, probably be my top five right there. Man, let's see. I'm gonna go with Giannis, LeBron. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of it's kind of funny. He's my favorite player, Dame Dollar. I gotta throw Dame Dollar in there. He was so close. I was between was. Dame and Devin Booker, but I love what Booker's been able to do too. Mm-hmm. Dame is in there. Um, KD, gotta give KD his flowers just off the strength. And then uh, I'm going to go with James Harden, man. Um, I like Harden too. I, I think Harden is, he's, he, I mean, he, he is it, you know, obviously he went to the nets and, you know, he got a lot of firepower now. So he also you don't survived the Kardashian relationship pretty unscathed, right? It was right. Most of them don't survive. That's they a good don't point. Survive. It's an athlete killer. We all know Ooh. this, right? Devin yep. Booker surviving as well, but like true, Ben true. Simmons, not so much, right? Ooh. So, yep. you know, he was unscathed through that situation. 100%. That's a good point. That's a great 100%. point. <laughs> and then my guy, my guy, I wish I could just see him on the court more. And obviously he hasn't played a, a game this year. But I think he will still be in my top five. Kyrie Irving, man, is Kyrie. Is, yes. I hate to not see him. You know, he is coming hear, back though for the yeah, away games. The away games, the away yes. games coming up. So I'm excited to see him play because I know he would be doing damage if he was playing right now. So Kyrie's fantastic. Yep. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, okay. Yep. Um, so my next question, Lisa, um, put you on the spot a little bit. Obviously, um, you know, you've built good relationships with people in the NBA, NFL. 
Um, so based upon those relationships, you know, that person, the personalities, the performances, the athletes, I guess, who do you like best? Uh, NBA players or NFL players? Keep it real. I so don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here, but I feel like NBA players, because their schedule is longer and they're lighter, right? Because they're constantly moving, right? It's a longer season. They're bouncing. They're they're lighter. Whereas I felt like NFL players were a little bit more regimented, heavy, um, a little bit more obsessive, a little bit more reckless. You know, I remember Mm -hmm. getting in the car and I will not mention the player, but I remember getting in a car with a player at the airport and he was driving. It was the scene from the open of ballers. Like we were like that close to almost dying and we got pulled over. He was just driving reckless. I was like, yo, don't do this with me. Like that's not something an NBA player would do. That's something an NFL player would do. And so (laughs) NBA players just keep it light. They keep it lean. So it's simple there, but it's, 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 you know, I like them both, but I would say that NBA players are a little bit more fun. That's real. Damn, my feelings are a little hurt, but obviously, me and Bolo, you know, we didn't play we NFL. Football players, we we're, on the edge. we're football guys, though. So I was Come hoping on. he was going to say NFL. So I'm like, ah, but she's keeping it real. So I respect that. I definitely respect it. Um, okay, this one right here. Now, this is, I've been waiting for this question. Not including yourself, give us your Mount Rushmore of women in the adult film industry, not including yourself. I have one for sure that Sarah J because she is definitely the most sexual being I ever met in the industry that truly absolutely loves it. I'm going to put Christy Canyon on there for being so steadfast in the industry since the eighties and being such a great representation for young women that are still in the industry today. She hosted a show on Sirius for years. Mm -hmm. So she was still very uh, accessible to the girls today. And then Angela White, who I met in Australia before she even got to the U.S. and started shooting here. Mm -hmm. And when I met her and she was so sweet to me, like her and her husband, like I was doing a trade show and, you know, they they took me around sightseeing and she was just so sweet. And she told me she wanted to come to the U.S. And I remember thinking when I met her, if this girl comes to the U.S., she's going to kill it. And that year when she first came you may have seen a photo on her social media from the AVN Awards. Her entire trunk was filled with awards. Yeah. She just wins because she's truly a sexual being. So for me, those are my three. I nice. love it. I love it. The other one nice. would be me. <laughs> of course. Of course. I respect that. Um, and then, yeah, last one, Bolo. Did you yeah. want to take it? Yeah. Yeah. So the last one of the day, um, I think all of our fans, especially our men, Listeners yep. will probably want to want to listen to this question um, just a bit here. So um, obviously um, you're single now. Right. So in the event that somebody wants to, you know, date Lisa and how should they how should they bring themselves to the table? You know, what do they need to bring to the table? And then also, you know, what are you looking for uh, in order for somebody to really hit the shot? <laughs> Most important, don't shoot the fucking shot. because thousands of shots a day are shot. Don't be that guy. Just be yourself and let us choose, right? We, I choose. So when a guy's just cool and makes conversation with me and doesn't make it about a thing like a shooting a shot, I will pursue said guy. But if Mm. a guy comes at me like this is my one opportunity to shoot my shot, no, it's never happening. So just be yourself. Don't expect something to happen in the first interaction that you meet a celebrity, a girl in the industry, a girl you really like. Be cool. Let her think about you 
and want to pursue you. That's when you know you made the shot. It's a three-pointer. It's a half-court shot. Swish. But be, just be yourself. Like we want to get to know you. We've already had incredible sex. We've already done all of those things. You have mm-hmm. to bring more to the table than offering that. So if you know the girls into sports, you talk about sports. I mean, that's, you know, it's a big one, of course, for me. Right. Um, just make good conversation because when she gets to know about you and that you're a sincere guy and that you're nice to the server and that you're nice to people around you and you're mindful of others, that is the panty dropper right there. It's mm. not, hey, I want to be with you. Let's do this. I've never gone on a date with a guy that has pursued me. Mm. Interesting. I've, That's a lot of sense, I've though. I've met yeah. guys through my friends, and we have a great all night out. The next day, I text my friend, like, yo, can I hit up your friend? Like, he was mad cool. I had great conversation with him. He played it right. He didn't right. make it happen. That's real game. That's real Ladies game. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here <laughs> first. If you want to shoot your shot, the goal is to not shoot the shot. That's a bar. That's a I'm bar. I'm going out with a guy tomorrow night that I Ooh. met through a friend. Okay. That the very first time we met, we just had a great time hanging out together. And I learned a bit about him. And he never came at me that way. And I reached out to our mutual friend. Would it be okay? Can I reach out to him? Yeah, he has We started talking. And then we went out. We had a great time. And now he doesn't live here. So when he comes in the city to visit family, we see each other every couple of months. But like, he did it right. He just mm-hmm. treated me like another human being and he allowed me to make the choice. I love that. I love so so just for real quick, just for clarity, does a regular Joe, average Joe, have an opportunity? Yeah, to- we prefer an average Joe. Okay, that's real. A group yeah, chat. Like, like, look, look, yeah. I, you're gonna hook up with athletes, you're gonna hook up with celebrities, but you're never gonna date them seriously. You don't need it's right. too much drama. There's too much security. We want a regular guy. We want a dude that's just doing it's not about money, it's not mm-hmm. about status, it's just about a good human connection. Love it. I love it. Hey, my entire group chat, when y'all listen to this, when y'all watch this, you just heard what she said. So don't ask me to put you on. Don't ask me to do this. If you see her out and about, don't shoot your shot and just see do what not. happens. Play it cool. Do not play let me cool. be that backboard. I am a backboard all day long of people shooting their shots. <laughs> boink, boink, boink. Awful, awful. <laughs> love it, love it. So Lisa, man, no, this has been an amazing, amazing podcast, amazing interview. We, we appreciate you so much. We want to give you the opportunity to just list off like any of the things that you're doing, where people can find you. I know you have an amazing book coming out. Uh, the life back, if I'm not mistaken, just take your time right here to just let people know where they can find you and all the cool shit that you're doing. All my social media is the same at the real Lisa Ann. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So mm-hmm. easily you can find everything I'm doing there. My new book, because of delays and paper shortages and everything else, I could only get it out on Kindle by the end of 2021, mm-hmm. gotcha. but it will be available in paperback and hard copy uh, in January. Same place that you can get my original book, The Life, which is either Amazon or from me, autographed at thelifelisaann.com but following me on social media is the easiest way to get everything about me love it it. i love it it. so as we wrap up the show we just want to say thank you to lisa ann we are giving you your flowers for paving the way for so many people killing it in two different industries and continuing to do it 50 and fabulous here we come yes yes um super excited um this is the porch follow us on instagram please just tune in, all right? This is an awesome an episode. Lisa just dropped so many gems. All right, before we get out of here, make sure you know, all right, if you want to shoot the shot, do not shoot the shot, all right? <laughs> make sure y'all love on the people that love y'all. 
peace, blessings, happy holidays, happy new year to everybody that's out there. Stay safe and go out there. What's yours in 2022? I'm your boy, B. Jones. I'm your boy, D. Nell. Let's get Ann, it. And we out of here. Peace. peace. On the porch, that was where it all began. Had to put it work every day we got it in. We chased all our dreams and now they can't believe it. We make it look easy. We achieving everything we need. Now we undefeated. If we link, no, it's only business. If we get to speak and leave them speechless. I did things for free, but now it costs to see me. When you see me, you ain't got to greet me. Just don't plot to sneak me. I'ma see it. I'ma stop and watch you lose and get defeated. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.